Good morning. So our reading today is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. So two months ago, it was my granddad's funeral, and printed on the back of the service cards, there was this picture of my granddad. He was walking away from the camera, hand in hand, with my baby cousin. So I asked my granny why, you know, of all of the pictures of my granddad, she'd chosen this one in particular, knowing she'd have a very good reason. And she said, well, it depicts granddad as granddad, but I think it also shows us how God walks with us. And then she said this, often we think we're holding God's hand, but really he's been holding ours all along. My granny is a very wise woman, and so I thought about this for a while. And when Tim asked me to preach on a passage that I think is the essence of good news, you might understand why this passage wasn't too far from my mind. You see, there is so much good news in the Bible. We call the whole book the good news, and the gospel literally means the good story. But this morning, as we look at this passage together, I want to talk about the good news of being rooted in an intimate relationship with Jesus. You see, to me, these 11 verses that we just read scream of Jesus longing to have this kind of intimacy with us. Now, at first, it might not seem that way. The first verse of the passage very clearly states Jesus made his disciples head out into the boat without him to spend, whilst he went to spend time with his father. Because of the climate around the Sea of Galilee, these sorts of windstorms would come about really quickly, really suddenly, without a lot of warning. But I imagine that Jesus, 
you know, being fully God, was probably pretty certain of the incoming storm into which he was sending his disciples. We know Jesus never promises us an easy ride. In John 16, 33, he even says this, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Sometimes storms do just appear, but I think this passage shows us that sometimes Jesus sends us into the storms intentionally. Why? Because it's in the storms that we get to step out of the boat and walk on the water just like Peter. And this brings me to my next point. Whilst I was studying this passage in preparation to preach on it, I realized that we can choose to be one of two kinds of people in this, in this story. We could be the disciples who are so overwhelmed by fear that they don't even recognize the man that they've been following for the past 10 chapters of this gospel account. The man who, not even 24 hours earlier, had fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. Or we could be like Peter, whose faith allowed him not to be frozen by fear by what was going on around him, but was stirred into action to get involved. I think it's really easy to read this passage and criticize Peter for doubting and sinking. But that only happens when he's already doing the unthinkable. We can't walk on water or drown if we stay in the boat, if we stay in our comfort zones. You see, we might even say that Peter was the most faithful of the 12 disciples. Whilst the others were busy being scared, thinking that Jesus was a ghost, Peter asked Jesus to call him out of the boat. Jesus speaks and Peter obeys at the sound of his friend's voice. And he gets himself involved in the miracle that's happening in the middle of the storm. Perhaps you're thinking, well, that's great for Peter, but how could I possibly walk on the water in the middle of my own situations? Well, Peter was one of Jesus' three best friends. He spent intimate time with him away from the crowds and the busyness of life. And he got to know Jesus deeply. And I think Peter's faith to step out of the boat here came from having spent that intimate time with Jesus. Peter knew Jesus. He trusted him. And now he wanted to walk on the water with him. And it's the same for us. The more we spend time with Jesus and grow with him, the more our faith will stir us to get out of the boat, to get out of our comfort zone and get involved in what Jesus is doing. I'm going to put it out there and say that this all starts with spending time with God. We've seen that in Peter, but we also see that in Jesus at the beginning of the passage. Jesus sends his disciples off into the boat, he dismisses the crowds, and then he goes to spend quiet time with his father. 
Jesus is the example of perfect intimacy with the Father. His primary relationship is with God. And time and time again throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus carving out time away from everybody else to spend time with the Father. And that's what sustains him. And ultimately, that's what empowers him the night before he died to pray, not my will, but yours be done, God. Jesus' intimate relationship with the Father allowed him to yield to his will, to get out of his own boat and give his life as a sacrifice for us. And it's that intimate time with Jesus that means that when Peter sees Jesus walking on the water, he doesn't just recognize his friend, but he's desperate to join him. He doesn't get out of the boat, dance around and say, look at me, look what I can do. He steps out and with his eyes locked on his Lord, he comes towards Jesus. And you know, Jesus longs to have that kind of intimate relationship with us. It's why he teaches us to pray if you look at Luke 11. It's why we have this good news book that's full of good news. It's why he died for us and why he sent us his Holy Spirit. So that we could spend time with him, grow with him, walk on the water with him. That's good news, right? And so now Jesus is, uh, Peter is out of the boat. He's walking on the water, probably being cheered on by the other 11 disciples who now recognize Jesus and probably wish that they had the guts to have a go at walking on the water themselves. And then he looks at the storm. He gets distracted. He takes his eyes off Jesus. He gets scared and he starts to drown. He starts to sink. And we see in verse 30 that his immediate reaction is to cry out, Lord, save me. Because he knew Jesus. He knew what Jesus could do. And Peter was dependent on him. So Jesus stretches out his hands. He pulls Peter back onto his feet and he holds his hand. Because good news for you and me, Jesus never lets us sink. They walk back into the boat together, hand in hand, and Jesus, in verse 31, says, You of little faith, why did you doubt? I don't think Jesus was telling Peter off here. In such an intimate position of walking hand in hand, I think the conversation might have gone a little bit more like this. Oh, Pete, my friend, you silly Billy. I told you faith as small as a mustard seed could move mountains. So why did you doubt me? You know I'm stronger than the storms. Because we don't disappoint Jesus when we get it wrong. But he does want us to know that fixing our eyes on him is the only way to walk on the water. As it says in Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. 
let us run with perseverance the race marks out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Therefore, look at the people around you, see and listen to their glory stories. Let go of the baggage that's holding you back inside the boat. Lock eyes with your father and come towards him. I started by saying that sometimes Jesus sends us into the storms. Now we see in this scripture that as soon as Jesus and Peter get back into the boat together, the storm dies down. So whether or not Jesus made the storm happen so that he could teach the disciples a lesson, or that so many books, sermons, and analogies could be made from the incident, I think the storm was pretty purposeful. Because it shows us that no matter what is going on around us, if we can stand firm knowing who's holding our hand, we can weather the storm and still be standing when the storm passes. We often find ourselves in storms, don't we? Whether that's a little gale or a full-blown hurricane. It can feel impossible. It can feel so hard to see where Jesus is in the situation. But if we have the faith to step out of the boat, we get the opportunity to grow in intimacy with Jesus. We get the opportunity to do the impossible, to join in with the miracle, to walk on water hand in hand with God. And you know, sometimes we might start to sink. We're only human. We get things wrong. We look at the surrounding storm. We get distracted just like Peter did. We forget who is standing right next to us. But when we do start sinking, we get to realize that Jesus is still holding our hand. He pulls us back onto our feet and he always leads us to safety. And when the storm passes, we'll rejoice just like the rest of the disciples. Because with our eyes fixed on him through the storm, we'll have seen a little bit more of who he is, a little bit more of what he can do, and we'll have grown a little bit more intimately with him. And as we do that, I think we'll see it more and more of what my granny said right at the beginning, that often we think we're holding on to God's hand, but really, he's been holding ours all along. And I think that is excellent news. So let's just take a moment to, to pray and to listen to what God has to say to each of us in response to this this morning. What boat is he calling you out of today? Maybe it's a work situation, something going on in your family or with your friends. Maybe you've lost your way with God recently, you've taken your eyes off him. But listen to how he's calling you this morning. Listen to him calling you out of the boat.
Father God, we thank you that you know each of us by name. You know us intimately. And you long for us to know you deeply. Thank you that you have plans and purposes for every single person here in the building and joining us online this morning. Would you speak to us? Would you call us out of the boat? And would you give us the courage to come, to walk on the water with you? Amen.